1: On a cold morning in Chicago two weeks ago, a large crowd gathered outside the home of Rod Blagojevich, the former governor of Illinois, where he addressed the public for the first time in eight years. — Blagojevich had been serving time in federal prison on corruption charges, and President Trump had just commuted his sentence. Blagojevich was suddenly free.
0: Hey, — He needs you all to step back. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. —
1: Our colleague Jess Braven has been following the case, and he was watching the conference live on TV.
0: This press conference in front of uh, Rod Blagojevich's house, it was supposed to start at 11 a.m. and uh, it was about a half hour late in starting and when he came out, he said he cut himself shaving.
2: Uh, It's been a long time since I've shaved with a normal razor and uh, it takes a little practice. I'm sorry about that, I gotta keep dabbing the blood.
0: And he looked a little different than he had when he entered prison. His hair had gone white, but he still had all of it, and he was very upbeat. So at the beginning of his press conference, he naturally thanks a few people. First off, President Trump, of course, who signed the papers to get him out of prison, uh, and his family. And then he introduces the mystery man, this young man, Mark Vargas. I want to
1: thank this mystery
2: man, a young man who, he's the kind of guy who can get you out of prison if you find yourself stuck there. And
1: I'm really grateful to his efforts.
2: Today on the show, how the mystery man Mark Vargas helped convince President Trump to let Blagojevich out
1: of prison. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Monday, March 2nd. Before he was a freed prisoner... In fact, before he was a prisoner at all, Rod Blagojevich was one of the most powerful men in Illinois.
0: Rod Blagojevich was a uh, kind of rough-and-tumble Chicago Democrat. He was a a member of Congress in the 1990s. He ran for governor, he was elected and re-elected. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank the people of Illinois. He had a kind of uh, working-class affectation, you know, he stands for the little guy. We can build a better life. On the other hand, according to the U.S. attorney, Patrick Fitzgerald, he was crooked from the day he took office. According to the the U.S. attorney, he was engaged in what you'd call pay-to-play, essentially leveraging his uh, official powers as governor in order to get campaign contributions from people in a position to help out his political career. The most uh, shocking (laughs) uh, allegation against him was that he essentially was raffling off the vacant Senate seat that he as governor had, had power to fill, the one that Barack Obama vacated upon becoming president. He was uh, recorded by the FBI talking about ways to uh, sell the Senate seat. I mean, I, I've got this thing, and it's f-ing golden, and I, I'm just not giving it up for f-ing nothing. It was that allegation that led the U.S. attorney to go in and arrest Blagojevich. In 2008,
1: Blagojevich was charged with two dozen counts related to public corruption. Before he even faced his criminal trial, he was almost unanimously impeached by the Illinois legislature. And as all of this unfolded, Blagojevich's case captured the national spotlight.
0: He was quite defiant. He did not accept at all. There was no contrition, nothing like that. Instead, he did everything he could to keep his cause and his case in front of the public. And perhaps most interestingly, he appeared on a reality program hosted by one Donald J. Trump called The Celebrity Apprentice. And Governor, I have great respect for you. I have great respect for your tenacity, for the fact that you just don't give up.
2: But
1: Rod, you're fired. Things got far worse for Blagojevich than just getting fired from The Apprentice. Over the course of two federal trials, he was convicted on 18 counts, including wire fraud and attempted extortion. In 2012, he was sent to prison for 14 years. He tried many times to appeal his verdict, and he did get some of the charges overturned. But the sentence was never reduced, and in 2018, the Supreme Court refused to hear his case, leaving him out of options. And that's when the mystery man came in. Can you just start out by introducing yourself? My name is Mark Vargas. So you are Rod Bogoyevich's mystery man. <laughs> I am the mystery man. That's correct. Vargas is a political consultant. He's also a lifelong Republican. So it may sound strange that he would be the one to come to the aid of a Democratic ex-governor in prison. But Vargas had been drawn to Blagojevich ever since the two men first crossed paths in 2005. At the time, Vargas was actually working for a Republican candidate who was challenging Blagojevich for governor. And one day, Vargas was in the lobby of the state capitol building just before Blagojevich was set to give a major speech. I was hanging out in the capitol
2: rotunda, and there was one other person there. And all of a sudden, I remember the elevator doors opening, and there walked out the governor with his security detail. And there was an older lady in a wheelchair, and he walked directly over to her, got down on his knees and said hello and shook her hand and had a couple of words with her. Then he got up, dusted off his suit, and I was kind of standing in the corner, and I caught his attention, and he looks over at me and kind of gives me this silent nod and acknowledges that I was there. And then he turns around and walks with his security detail, into the House chamber. What did you think of him in that moment? He was charismatic. I first noticed, you know, his big, dark hair, and I thought he had this really great, dark, pinstripe suit. But it was clear that he was charismatic. And so it was—I was actually really excited to
1: get a glimpse of him in person. From there, Vargas went on to build a political career of his own. He worked for some Illinois GOP campaigns, unsuccessfully ran for the House of Representatives, and worked on economic development for the Department of Defense in Iraq. He says that along the way, he mostly forgot about Blagojevich. Until one day in 2018, when the Supreme Court denied Blagojevich's final appeal and Vargas turned on the TV. I saw
2: Patti Blagojevich appear on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News Channel, and she made an appeal To the president. And I just thought in my gut, a 14-year sentence was just outrageous. And I could see the pain in her face. And I had looked at articles and I could see the pain on their daughter's faces. Uh, And I just felt compelled to help them. And I didn't, I I wasn't going to charge them. I just wanted to help right a wrong. And I thought his sentence was wrong. So I, I reached out to Patty on LinkedIn.
0: He sends her a message over LinkedIn which is uh, maybe one of the most consequential actions that's ever taken place over LinkedIn. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but but he, he, he sends her a message, sorry about you know, Rod's case. And he introduced himself, said he had some ideas on how to help uh, Rod Blagojevich's case. And, uh, I mean, w- what do you say?
1: Even though she'd never met Vargas before, Patty Blagojevich accepted his help. Rod Blagojevich had served six years out of his 14-year sentence, and at this point, his only hope of getting out was a Hail Mary, convincing President Trump to issue a presidential pardon or commutation. So Vargas began working with Paddy Blagojevich on a strategy focused on just that. The first phase was a media campaign. It started with an op-ed written by Vargas and published in a conservative D.C. publication, The piece made an argument that Vargas thought would especially resonate with the president.
0: The headline in The Washington Examiner was how Robert Mueller and James Comey's best friend sent Rod Blagojevich to prison. Mark Vargas very carefully drew a connection that he thought would be important, which is that some of the names involved in the Blagojevich case also were names that President Trump was familiar with. It's almost as if it was written for an audience of one, because President Trump was very concerned about Robert Mueller's work as special counsel investigating Russian interference in the uh, 2016 election at the time. And of course, President Trump was no fan of James Comey, the FBI director who he had fired. In the
1: op-ed, Vargas noted that Robert Mueller was the director of the FBI when Blagojevich was arrested in 2008. And the guy who was the lead prosecutor on the case, whose name is Patrick Fitzgerald, later went on to become James Comey's personal attorney.
0: That sort of connection, that kind of, you know, there's an implication that somehow Mueller and Comey are up to no good. It's very hard to imagine the circumstances in which that could be true. There's no suggestion that James Comey had anything to do with Rod Blagojevich's uh, prosecution. On the other hand, it is a portrayal that certainly appeals to some admirers of the president and that the president himself has floated suspicions about. And that was completely intentional. —
1: The op-ed also made the case that the 14-year sentence was too harsh and that other politicians had received lesser sentences for what seemed like worse crimes. There was one other thing that Vargas put in his op-ed, a link to a tweet from Fox anchor Laura Ingram about how prosecutors were overzealous in their investigation of Trump.
0: So before Vargas's op-ed was published, he noticed that Laura Ingram was tweeting criticism of the FBI raid on Michael Cohen, President Trump's former attorney. And so Vargas quickly edited that into... Uh, his piece, uh, something that he hoped would catch the attention of Laura Ingram or her producers on Fox News, and it did.
2: Could history be repeating itself with raids and overzealous prosecutors seeking fame and glory?
0: Later that week, Fox News invited Patty Blagojevich onto The Ingram Angle, a show that the president is known to watch.
1: And what was she saying when she was on TV?
0: Well, Patty Bugovich understood that President Trump was the only person in the world who could help her husband at this point. There were no more appeals. Only the president, who has the power of clemency, could get him out of prison. So she was pretty much repeating the lines in the op-ed. You know,
2: it's almost like Yogi Berra says it's deja vu all over again. You know, 10 years ago, these same people, Comey, Fitzgerald... Mueller um, used these out-of-control prosecutors and FBI agents, came after my husband with their unchecked power. So
0: very, very quickly, Mark Vargas had taken this this sort of lost cause of Rod Blagojevich and made it an issue that conservatives in Washington were talking about, both those who read The Washington Examiner and those who watch Fox News.
1: But as the weeks wore on, it became clear that they needed something new to keep Rod Blagojevich's name in the news— So they turned to Rod himself.
0: Vargas believes that Rob Blagojevich now has to take some kind of bold step in order to continue the momentum and get more attention for his case. And so he comes up with this idea of having Blagojevich make a dramatic point in an op ed saying that politicians should stop trying to raise funds because if they keep trying to fundraise, they'll end up in prison just like me, uh, trying to essentially argue to the public that uh, all he did was. Routine political fundraising and these overzealous prosecutors had turned that into a crime. They'd criminalized everyday, ordinary politics. Vargas
1: landed that op-ed in the opinion section of The Wall Street Journal, which, as a reminder, is editorially separate from this podcast and the rest of The Wall Street Journal newsroom. And then, just three days after that op-ed, there was a major breakthrough.
0: President Trump comments to reporters aboard Air Force One that he is thinking about clemency for Rod Blagojevich. Uh, And uh, Mark Vargas and Patty Blagojevich are incredibly excited about this. And then the, the issue gets, like, knocked off the agenda for an indefinite period.
1: And it wouldn't easily get back on the president's agenda. In the weeks that followed, President Trump started hearing from Republican politicians in Illinois who expressed strong opposition to the idea of clemency for Blagojevich. Vargas knew he'd have to do something more than just media appearances. Coming up, Mark Vargas reaches into Trump's inner circle to make a case for Rod Blagojevich's freedom. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand.
2: Learn about adopting a team from foster care at adoptuskids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Welcome back.
1: Mark Vargas's campaign for Rod Blagojevich's freedom had gotten the case on the president's radar, but it didn't seem to be making it much further. And then Mark Vargas caught a break. His friend, conservative commentator Eric Bowling, invited him to dinner at a restaurant in D.C. with a special guest. He said, I have one other friend coming. He didn't tell me who. Uh,
2: and so I get up to the restaurant first, and I'm sitting at the bar, and I see Bill Shine walk in. My first thought was, wow, that's, that's the White House communications director. And then a couple of minutes later, Eric Bowling pops up, and I say, Eric, do you know who's here? He's like, who? Bill Shine, the White House communications director. He's here. And Eric replies, oh, Bill, he's here. Where is he? He's joining us for dinner. So Vargas and Bowling sat down with Bill Shine. We sat down and had a couple of drinks. And then Eric sort of jokingly goes, this guy thinks he can get people out of prison. And Bill kind of chuckles and he said, who are you working with? And I said, Rod Blagojevich. And at that moment, Bill goes, he's on our list. Hmm. And I said, what list? What list is that? He's like, commutation list. He's on our list. And I was shocked. And so Bill asked me, where does Reverend Jesse Jackson stand on this? And I, I said, that was a great question. I hadn't, I hadn't talked to him uh, about this. Um, but I said, you know, I, I will find out. Uh, and, I will,
1: and I will circle back. Jesse Jackson was important because his support would present an opportunity to tie Blagojevich's case to criminal justice reform.
0: President Trump is very proud of the fact that he has at least this one area, criminal justice reform efforts, has bipartisan agreement, bipartisan support, and significant support from the African-American community, something he doesn't really have for many of his other policies. So having the vocal support of such a well-known, African-American leader as Jesse Jackson may be something that is very significant to President Trump.
1: Vargas and Patti Blagojevich reached out to Jesse Jackson to ask for his support. Turned out, Jackson was willing to help. He had known Rod Blagojevich for years through the Illinois political scene. The two men had even gone on a diplomatic mission together in the 1990s to help bring home captured U.S. soldiers. So after hearing about the clemency effort, Jackson called the White House and wrote a letter saying Blagojevich's 14-year sentence was too harsh. He even spoke about it publicly. We want Blagojevich home with his family.
0: We want a home. What I've heard from multiple sources is that Jesse Jackson's embrace of the Blagojevich cause was very important to the outcome of this case. Jackson's name
1: was added to a growing list of people offering their support for Blagojevich's clemency, including Al Sharpton and Rudy Giuliani. And finally, about two weeks ago, President Trump gave Patti Blagojevich a call.
0: Patti Blagojevich said that uh, she got a phone call from the White House about 10.15 in the morning, Chicago time. It was the president saying, I just signed the, the paperwork and Rod's going to be coming home. Yes, uh, we have commuted the sentence of Rod Blagojevic. He served eight years in jail. It's a long time, and uh, I watched his wife on television. Uh, I don't know him very well. I've met him a couple of times. He was on for a short while of The Apprentice years ago. And he also had said know, publicly he thought it was unfair what was done to Blagojevic by these, these prosecutors. Uh, it was a prosecution by... The same people, Comey, Fitzpatrick, the same group. Federal prosecutors who worked on the Blagojevich case issued a statement about it, standing by the charges they brought against him, noting that uh, they had proven it to a jury and saying that crooked politicians are uh, a blight on the country and prosecutors should charge them and, and send them to jail whenever the evidence justifies it.
1: When Vargas heard the news, he got on a plane to Denver to pick up Rod Blagojevich from federal prison. All this time, the two men had only been communicating over email. So this would actually be their first real meeting. And I
2: look, and there's Rod pushing his, the push cart with all of his boxes. And he looks over at me, he goes, Mark? And I said, Rod? You know, it was just so funny. He's like, it's nice to meet you. And I handed him his clothes on his hangers. And I said, get dressed, we're going home. And it was just a very surreal Moment. In fact, I have a photo on my phone, the very first picture that we took together, like 10 seconds after he got into the car. I said, Rod, let's document this. Let's take this
1: very first photo. And we did. And it's something that I'll treasure forever. For Mark Vargas, this was a moment of celebration after nearly two years of hard work. And and you weren't paid for any of this work, even as you were spending your own money on things like flying and I imagine other things. That's correct. No, and you don't expect to be
2: paid. I do not. know. and I don't want to be paid for this because I didn't do this because I wanted fame or money. I don't. All I, I want to do something right because in my gut, I knew this was the right thing to do. Do you think that you will gain anything personally from this? You know, I haven't. A lot of people ask me that, and I haven't. I haven't really thought about that. You know, th- what's important to me
1: is to have a voice. That's what's the most important thing. While clemency was a major victory for Blagojevich and his supporters, it also attracted criticism from people who felt that a governor convicted of this type of political corruption didn't deserve special treatment. But ultimately, when it comes to clemency, it's the president's opinion that matters.
0: The clemency process is something that was designed at the outset as similar to almost a, a royal power. It's not reviewable by a court. There's no way it can be limited by the Congress. It is a pure power that belongs to the president to exercise as he or or someday she sees fit. It's similar to what a king might have had. It's a power of mercy. If the clemency process is about
1: cases of mercy, what does it then say about President Trump and this White House's priorities that they chose to bestow this mercy on Rod
0: Well, one class of individuals that President Trump feels has been unfairly targeted by uh, prosecutors is politicians or people involved in politics. So he has a sympathy for people in that situation. He's using this power as a very personal power that belongs to him. People close to the president have told me that he greatly values this power for that very reason, that he can use it without having to worry about Congress or the courts. It's his alone.
1: That's all for today, Monday, March 2nd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We come out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.